Open your Bible with me to first, Second Peter chapter 1, and we're not going to stay there long. But I explain to you kind of what we're going to do. We're change, shifting gears a little bit. The Bible talks about two basic methods of ministering from the pulpit. One is preaching, and the other is teaching. Preaching is where you encourage and motivate people to do something they're supposed to do. Teaching is where you give somebody an understanding of what God's Word says so that when they leave here, they can apply that Word in their life. And we need both. Sometimes in a message, you'll get a combination of the two together. So preaching is when you leave here all fired up, but you may have trouble on Monday morning, remember, how do I do it or what do I do? But we need both of those. We need to be inspired. We need to be sometimes corrected, but also we need sometimes just simple, basic instruction. And I really sense because of, of, it just dropped in me the other day, and then as I've meditated on this and prayed about it, it's become clear to me that there's some things we just need to go back over some basics. Now, I've told you to start in 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's not the subject matter. Um, in fact, I walked off and left my notes at home, so I'm just scribbled a couple of things down here. Um, but there's a principle in here that I want to start out with. As soon as I find Second Peter, and my glasses, <laughs> which I think I left. Would you go in? Do you know where the, the extra pair is up on the on the bookcase in there? Otherwise, I'll stand back here like this. First Peter, chapter Second Peter, chapter one, verse twelve. For this reason, I will put you, I will not be negligent. <laughs> Where's the light here? To remind you always of these things, though you know and are persuaded in the present truth. What he's saying here is that we need to be reminded of things we already know. We've forgotten, you've forgotten more word than most, the pastors that I go down to in Mexico, you have forgotten more word than, ever, than they have ever heard. Thank you, dear. I actually got a verse out without them. <laughs> and so we need to be put in remembrance of things that we've already heard. There we go. Yes, I think it's right, as long as I'm in this tent, referring to his body, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure or my decease. So Peter's saying he's near the end of his ministry, he's near the end of his life, he knows the end is coming soon. And he's saying to them, there's some basic things... I know, I want to put you in remembrance of things you already know, but you need to be reminded of it. Let's put it, you understand, we leak. Things you have heard yesterday or this morning, if you were in service, this, had, we had a service this morning, you would have forgotten them, many of the things, by the time you even get home. So we need to be reminded of things. So we're going to give you a basic instruction on who you are. So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. 
verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means set you apart. And may your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I want to talk to you about for a little while and give you some basic teaching on is what you're made up of, your parts. Ever, ever um, uh, buy one of some, some, uh, something at a store that's, that you've got to put together? Most things you buy now you've got to put together. And it comes with this instruction manual that <laughs> whoever wrote it never had to put it together. Maybe their child wrote it. But at the end, if they're going to be really helpful, they'll give you a picture of the thing kind of blown apart with all the parts separated and numbers attached to them so you can get a pictural image of where part A23Z actually goes. You understand what I'm talking about? Well, we're going to look at God's instruction manual. You know, this is God's instruction manual. We're going to look at that from the point of view of going to the end and looking at the, of your different parts and how they fit together. Sitting in your chair right now, they're all put together, hopefully. What we're going to do is take a little time and we're going to kind of separate them out and look at them and understanding them because it's so important that you understand what those different... There's three different parts to you. And they are, they're, they're from two different realms. They operate differently under different rules and there are different instructions for them. And the sense I have in, in, inside of me is there some of us who are relatively new who don't understand those differences. You may hear the words, you may see the words, but you don't understand what is your spirit and what is your soul. And you ought to understand what your body is, but you may not know how it functions spiritually. They have different roles, different parts to play, different rules of operation, and different significances. And so we're going to spend some time looking at those three parts. And you ought to be interested in them because all of you have, one, have all of those three parts. If you don't have all three of them, you're dead. Spirit, soul, and body. Why do we need to understand my spirit and my soul? And we're even going to spend a little time talking about your body. Most of us spend 95% of our time conscious of our body, very little of our time aware of our soul, and almost none of our time aware of the spirit. And what we'll see is, as a result of sin and what Adam did, is, is the devil has turned that upside down. Because God's intention was that we be 95% or more conscious of our spirit, conscious of our soul, very, uh, not very conscious of our soul, and almost unconscious of our body. So we're upside down or turned around backwards. And that's why many of us struggle. So we're going to talk tonight about why is it even important to do this? Why is it even important to get an understanding of my spirit, my soul, and my body, and their differences, and their, they have different functions, they operate by different rules? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. 
We're going to look at just some statements that the Bible makes about different rules for different, these different parts of you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? That you present your what? That's one-third of you. Now, now do this. Just pinch yourself. Out. Some of you really pinch yourself. All right. That, now, let's get real, really clear tonight. This is biology 102. <laughs> Don't get nervous. That part of you that hurt, that's your body. Okay? Now, is there anybody here that didn't have one? All right. So we all have one. All right, so I'm talking to the right group tonight. Now, that's what he's talking about. Not some symbolic thing. He's talking about this physical thing called your body. And he's telling us that we're to do something with it. And it's, what he tells us to do with it is not something we want to do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So we're to take our physical body, that third of us, and we're to offer it as a sacrifice to God. Now, the people that Paul wrote this to understood what sacrifices are about. See, we think of sacrifice in terms of giving something up. Well, I sacrificed some of my time. You know, I gave an especially large offering, so I sacrificed some money. And that is a sacrifice in a sense. But the sacrifices they were talking to is where you took an animal that belonged to you or one that you'd purchased, and you brought it into the temple to the priest. And you gave that animal that was valuable to the priest, and he took that animal and laid it on an altar and slit its throat and poured his blood out and offer its life up to whatever God you were worshiping. And of course, it was, if it was a, a Jew bringing it to, a, to the, the, a Levite priest, it was offering it up to Jehovah God. So the idea is you were taking something that was alive and had value to you, and you were putting it to death as an act of worship to God. Now, let's talk about what worship is for a moment, because this is an act of worship. Worship, in order to really understand what worship is, you have to understand the word. The word in English, worship, comes from an old English word, worth. W-O-R-T-H, ship. And it means having something, recognizing the value of something. So what worship truly is is when we recognize that God has a greater value than ourselves. True worship always involves some form of a sacrifice. It may not bring bringing an animal in and slitting its throat and pouring its blood out on the altar and giving that animal up, but what it does mean is it's costing you something. King David, at one point, decided to perform a census 
take a, a, a census. Now, we take censuses in this country every 10 years for purposes of determining population and voting rights and things like that. A king in those days took a census because he wanted to know how many warriors he had so he could decide whether to go to war against somebody or not. There were times God told David to take a census, but if God didn't take, tell him to take a census, it was a sin because it meant David was going to trust in his soldiers and not in his God. And in this case, David performed a census without getting God's permission, and God was upset at David. And so David comes to God and says to him, makes an offering to him. He's going to make an offering of sacrifice to God, and he comes to a threshing, to a man who has a threshing floor, threshing out wheat. And he comes to this man, he's the king, and he says, I want to use your threshing floor in order to perform a sacrifice to God as an atonement for my sin. And this, wonder, this subject, loving his king, honoring his king, says, I'll give that to you. So that you can offer, so you can use this as a place to offer a sacrifice to the, to our God, and David has this statement that's so powerful: "I will not offer a sacrifice to my God that has not cost me something." Why? Because otherwise, it is not. It is. It is simply a, a, a religious exercise. It's not a giving of something of my heart to Him. Now, there are all different kinds of costs. It can be that you, don't, you just don't feel like it and you put your feelings down and do it anyway. Hebrews talks about the fruit of your lips being, being offering a sacrifice unto God, which is the fruit of your lips giving thanks. So a sacrifice can be simply you don't feel like worshiping Him, but you choose to worship Him. You put your feelings down because you determine He's of more value than your feelings. You see the principle? So it isn't always money, but it may be that God wants to get you up at 2 in the morning and you've got to put down the sleep that you wanted or think you had in order to put Him first. It's giving something to Him that has value to you and you're giving it up to Him because by doing so, you're saying He's more valuable than the thing you're giving up. That's really what the tithe is all about. Mm. The tithe is an act of worship. Because what the tithe is, is God takes His part and entrusts it to you to give it back to Him. See, He's not like the federal government that withholds it before you get it. Withholding, you, know, you know what a withholding tax is? It's the part you earned you don't get to see. They have a thing called tax day which is somewhere around March 15th or April somewhere, where they figured by that point, up to that point, you've worked for the government. And from that point on, you're working. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? You ever looked at your pay stub and you see withholding tax? That's your pay you don't get. The government took it out ahead of time because they don't trust you to worship them with it. I mean, that's literally a truth. They don't trust you to give it to them. So they take it to remove the temptation from you. So therefore, you're paying your taxes in that sense is not an act of faith or worship because you had no choice in the matter. Well, you had a choice, but it was to go to jail or not. But God doesn't work that way because we're His children 
not as taxpayers. So God takes what is rightfully his under, the, under his system and gives it to you saying that's holy. You're to set that aside and I'm trusting you to then give it back to me at your first opportunity as an act of worship. Because now that it's in your hands, it has value to you. That's why it's so hard to let go of. Because it has value to you. But when you choose, in spite of all that you could do with that, in spite of how much you want to hang on to it and how much it means to you, you choose to write that check out and to fill out the envelope, printing, of course. And then when the on buck, when the, the when the retainer, when the receptacle comes by, you let it go. I remember the first time I tithed. Oh. Now, you've got to understand, when the first time I tithed, I was a lawyer at a large law firm in downtown Boston. Now, by today's standards of lawyers, I wasn't making very much. But by back then, I, the most I'd ever made, and I got paid once a month. So that first paycheck that I got after I discovered what the tithe was, I mean, literally, when I discovered what the tithe was, I went, <gasps> Because my mind did a quick calculation. And I'm sitting down that Sunday or Saturday night, and I'm looking at that paycheck, and I figure out what 10% of that is. And I have never in my life written a check to any charitable organization in that amount. And this church that I belong to had never received one in their regular Sunday morning offerings that much. I know because I was a deacon in the church. And people tipped God in that church. <laughs> you know what tipping is? Stop and think about it. I never thought about this before. I mean, the standard for tipping at a restaurant is somewhere between 15 and 20, what? Percent. And we have trouble giving God... Now let me ask you, which service was better? The waiters? This was not it. See, I left my notes at home. That's the problem. <laughs> I know we're in trouble when I forgot my notes. I forgot to even print them out. Worship, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, okay. And I had to decide whether that money, because it represented a part of my life, I could have done something else with that money, but now that it's going to go out of my hands, I can't use it anymore. So it has value to me. And I remember sweating. Excuse me, we're in church, perspiring. I remember go, I, I, you know, and I would, I'd written large, large check, but never where I was giving it to the church. My mind was telling me I was crazy. You're going to go broke. What are people going to think of you? And I had a decision to make. I either do what it says in there to do, 
or I go by what I think, what I feel, what other people are going to say, or this knot in my stomach. And I made the choice, this was 30-some years ago, to sign that check, put it in that envelope, and go ahead and deposit it in there. And the moment I did that, I was free. Because what I didn't realize is that tithe had a hold of me. I thought I had a hold of it, but it had a hold of me. But I did it as an act of worship because I made the choice that God was of greater worth to me than not just the amount of money, but what it meant to me. We do that all the time. You go into the store, you decide you want a, you know, a dress or a, or, a, or, or a shirt or ladies a hat or you know, shoes or something like that. You make an evaluation of whether that item is worth more to you than the $25 or what that they require of you to pay for it. And sometimes we do it, then we have second thoughts. We get the thing home and says, oh, I was a, ch- you know, that's a fool. That, you know, I'd rather have the $25 back than this thing. So you go try to exchange it. The point is this. In every transaction like that, we're making an analysis that what we're giving to is worth more, in this case with God, is He's worth more than what I'm giving to. It's a sacrifice. And that's what a sacrifice means. And that's truly, really what worship is. Because our heart then goes along with it. See, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need anything you have except one thing, your heart. The one thing He can't create on His own is your love and your devotion and your heart. And that's what He's after. He's not after your money. He's doing fine. He's doing fine. I'll tell you this, the church is doing fine. We had our accountants in today. We did our year-end things. We're doing great. So I'm not telling you this because the church is hurting for money. We're as well off as we've ever been. Okay? But see, we operate on the church tithes. In fact, we more than tithe. We're somewhere around 15 to 20% that we give to foreign missions, to missionaries. I've had other churches call that were in trouble with things, call me, and just whatever God shows me to do, we do, to help. Because God's blessed us. But that's why we're blessed. Because God's blessed us. In the middle of a terrible economy, one of the worst economies we've ever had, at a time when the church is going through some difficult things, but financially we're as well off as we've ever been before. It's God's faithfulness, but be put him, when you put God first, you enable Him to do for you what He wants to do for you. I had no intention to talk about tithing, but I'm not talking about in terms of the money. It's what it means to us. It's an act of worship. Now we're going to get down to something that's harder to talk about than the money. It's your body. Because I didn't forget what he's talking about. I knew where we were. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. There are times I think it would be easier to present a sacrifice that's dead over. See, once and for all, it's over with. You only have to go through the pain once. But this is a living sacrifice where you present your body to him. And what does that mean? Well, we see Peter was referring to it when he talked about in in 2 Peter chapter 1. He said, I'm not going to, as long as I'm still in this tent, he's referring to his his body. 
Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he talks about this dwelling place, this tent that he's living in. And when we talk specifically about the body, we'll look at it from that point of view. Because you've got to begin to see your body as that's just the suit you live in. I've heard it explained this way. It's your earth suit. They have space suits when they take their space walks out because when you're in a foreign territory, I'm getting ahead of myself, but when the, when the you remember the astronauts that are up there and they take those space walks and we get to see them on TV and they're out there in these cumbersome things like this with this big helmet on, you know, like that in the backpack. You know, like out of Star Wars or something like that, you know. And they're out there. You know, you notice they're not out there in a pair of cut-off jeans and, a, you know, a tank top, you know, with their hat on like this. They're out in, some pers- in, in, a, in a suit that's designed to enable them to live in an environment that's antagonistic or, or hostile to their own, inner, their, their own body. In fact, if their suit's punctured, what will happen is the, the oxygen that's in there will escape. There's no oxygen out there. It's freezing cold, even colder than New England. <laughs> There's no oxygen. There, 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 are, there are rays from the sun out there that if they hit their natural body would destroy them. So they can only function out in that environment when they're wearing a suit that's designed to protect them in that environment. When they get back in an environment that's natural to them, they can take that suit off. In the same way, your body is like a spacesuit for this environment. Because the real person on the inside of you, this environment's foreign to where that, that real person's from. Therefore, you have to have this suit to function in this world. That's why when this suit stops functioning, you've got to leave. That's why demonic spirits are seeking to enter bodies because they cannot operate physically in this earth unless they're in something that has a suit to put on. Remember what Jesus said, be careful when you cast out demons that if you don't put something in because they go about in waterless places, that's the spiritual atmosphere around this earth, seeking whether to get others and come back in again because they want to inhabit a body. Remember when, the, when Jesus cast the legion out of, the, out of that man, the demoniac, they pleaded to go into the pigs because if they're not inhabiting some kind of physical body, they can have no effective influence. So spirit beings need an earth suit to function in. Now I've kind of gotten ahead of myself. So here we see that there's rules that we're to operate this, the earth suit by. Now go to verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's giving us instructions. In verse 1, he's telling us what to do with our body, and that's to make a living sacrifice of it. Now let me tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me tell you what that means in part. That means your body is not to dominate you. Oh, that was popular. Just a little more than tithing. In fact, I think tithing was more popular. Take my money. I want my body. 
Don't mess with my appetite. Don't mess with my physical comfort. Take my money, God. If that's what it's going to cost, take my I want my body back. <laughs> well, by the time we're finished, you won't. The only trouble you really have in this earth comes through that thing you're so nice to and you want to hang on to so desperately. So in verse 1, it's telling us to take this body and offer it as a living sacrifice as an act of worship. Verse 2 is now giving what instructions of what 